Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. I am your host, Diane Sorensen, certified life coach, hypnotherapy practitioner, mother, grandmother, and human fascinated with behavior and how to live our best life. My goal is to offer you another perspective, to see behavior in ourselves, our children, and others from another angle. This podcast is for anyone who wants to feel more connected in their relationships. It's for anyone who feels the pull for something more. It's for parents and those who are not. This podcast is for anyone who wants to take a deeper look because this is where we talk about breaking generational patterns and outdated cultural beliefs, cultivating deeper connections in our life, and leading our life with more confidence and clarity. And I believe that's when beautiful behavior comes into focus. You can learn more about my process, me, and the three different ways in which beautiful behavior could come into focus for you at my website at diannesorensen.net. That's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Okay, listeners, let's go. Hello. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make an announcement that the doors to my reinvention program are once again now open. So reinvention is a heart-centered program. It's about taking back your power and understanding yourself at a deeper level. It's a process of returning you to you. It's working with triggers and using a process and framework to understand what is underneath the trigger and heal it so it loses its charge. It's about stepping into feeling whole, free, and confident and leading the life you want to lead. So I am doing a reinvention workshop this Wednesday, January 26th at 12 o'clock central. So from 12 to 1 central. So if you have that feeling of I'm not good enough or that belief that I'm not good enough or you just feel stuck in your life or you worry about messing up your kids or you worry about what other people are thinking about you. Um, If you're a people pleaser uh, or a conflict avoider or a peacemaker, then this is for you. This process that I use in reinvention is the foundation for which healthy relationships bloom. So if you're looking to enhance any relationship, whether it's you, with you or your children or others, Come to the Reinvention Workshop on Wednesday, January 25th from 12 to 1 Central Time. So go to diannesorensen.net forward slash Reinvention Workshop to get registered. And there will be a recording available also. Um, replay will be sent out to you. So dianesorensen.net forward slash reinvention workshop, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay, let's 
get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Beauty and Behavior. Thank you for being here. Today, I wanted to talk about uh, navigating sibling relationships, navigating those relationships between siblings. And so this is kind of a parent uh, episode. However, if you are not a parent, um, you are in other relationships. So you can take from this uh, nuggets to use in your other relationships. So whenever we're navigating this adult child relationship, we can use these same tools uh, and um, theories and ideas to navigate all of our relationships. Uh, I always talk about when I implemented this uh, practice of a more conscious connected relationship in my classroom when I was teaching, it changed all of my relationships professionally and personally. So, you know, this uh, parenting journey is as much about, if not even more, about self-development as it is about child development. So take, as always, take what you can, uh, take whatever you can uh, that makes sense to you and be curious about it, um, experience with it in your relationships and leave the rest. So let's dive in. So how do we create positive interactions uh, between our children, between siblings, and create uh, a more peaceful environment in our home? So let's dive into that. And when we talk about this, we really need to talk about what impacts sibling relationships. And one of the things that impacts it is how secure they feel in their relationship with you, the parent. This has a big impact on how they relate with with each other. Because if they feel secure in the relationship with you as a parent, there's other people are less threatening, right? It's less threatening to have another person there. Because sharing the attention of someone you love with another person is a constant challenge. And even sharing resources can be a constant challenge for children. You know, sharing their space, sharing the environment with another person constantly, sharing toys, sharing screens. Um, And so the more secure a child is in the relationship with you, the less threatening others are. Which leads us to the next question of how do you relate to your child? Uh, Does each child feel secure in their relationship with you? And sometimes this can be really hard to look at, um, uncomfortable to look at, because, uh, you know, we all know that there are times where we are not treating our children in a way that feels good to us, right? Trying to get them to do things kind of comes out sideways sometimes um, in, you know, treating them, you know, yelling at them, uh, threatening them. And we've all, we all do it. And it's not because you're not a good parent. It's because 
That is how traditionally, culturally, we are conditioned to relate to our child. You know, these cultural beliefs that um, a parent is to control their children and judged on how well they do that. Uh, the belief that a good parent equals a compliant child. And of course, we base all of this on the child's behavior. So we judge the child's behavior as good or bad, right or wrong, deserving or undeserving. And uh, we also attach then our worthiness to that. If I'm a good parent or a bad parent, a right parent, if I'm doing it right or if I'm doing it wrong, if I'm you know, deserving or undeserving. Um, And so if we have these beliefs, it creates this stress inside of us, right? This stress of, oh, I got to prove that I'm a good parent and I got to prove I'm good enough. And in parenting, we try to prove that through the child's behavior, but actually the child's behavior is giving us information on what's happening internally for them. So if their behavior is not helpful and therefore then is hurtful, that is giving us information that their emotional needs might not be met um, or there's something going on that they need help with. They need understanding. They they might need uh, some new skills. But here's the deal. You know, our relationship with our child is hugely impacted by our own sense of self and our own sense of self-worth. So if I'm feeling not good enough, then I'm going to parent from a place of fear and doubt in trying to prove myself through my child that I'm good enough. And, and we unconsciously and unknowingly spend a lot of energy trying to make our children into who we need them to be for us to be seen as a good parent. And it really, our, our relationship goes sideways. This is at the cost of our relationship. So how siblings relate to each other is highly impacted by how we relate to each child. So we are in a paradigm shift where we are shifting from you know, those traditional uh, beliefs that cause us to act in ways that don't feel good uh, to relationships. So, you know, we often say, how do I get my child to do X, Y, Z, right? How do I get my child to go to bed, to do chores, to do all of this stuff? And really, in another that's it's the same as saying, how do I make my child do these things? And when we try to make our children do things or get them to do things, we're asserting our power over them. So the only way we can make another human being do something is through coercion, um, manipulation, threatening them, or offering them a reward for doing it. Um, and the problem is when when somebody is being controlled and it feels controlling, they are powerless. So traditionally, you know, we give all the power to parents. 
and the children have none. They're just supposed to listen and do everything we we tell them to do without having their own thoughts, feelings, or ideas. And that feels powerless. And powerlessness feels terrifying. And here's the thing. When we are in fear, when the brain says, ooh, this doesn't feel good, this is a threat, we are using the uh, very most primitive part of our brain, which is the lowest part of our brain. And that part of our brain, the only skills we have is survival skills. And at best, we might be a little bit higher in the limbic system, which is kind of the mid to lower part of the brain. Um, And we don't have a whole lot of skills in that area either. Our logical thinking is comes from the highest part of our brain, which is the prefrontal lobes. So in our traditional ways of using rewards and punishments, um, coercion, manipulate, you know, trying to get kids to do things, make them do things or get them to do things, we are parenting from a place of fear and doubt. And that, um, you know, we're part of the problem then because we are, putting our children in uh, the lower parts of their brain, which where they don't have many skills and there is no logic. Um, so it's really helpful to become more aware of how we are relating with our children. What am I modeling? Because we so often model um, the very skills we really don't want them to be having because we're just on autopilot and reacting. So building the awareness of how am I relating to my child and and shifting from that, how do I get my child to do blah, 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 to how do I relate to my child? How am I nurturing and growing this relationship? Because it's through that, that children are willing to um, submit their will to us and they're willing to cooperate. And when they have some sense of control over my own body and my own functioning and my own world, and then we come from a uh, place of, of shared power, of mutual respect. And what impacts your relationship with your child is the relationship that you had uh, growing up with your parents and significant caregivers because that forms how secure or insecure we feel in our own skin and how we relate to ourself. And so what does that mean? How do I relate to myself? You know, we learn how to be in the world and in relationships through our parents, like I said, and our caregivers, um, and how they related to us as a child. And this is how our brain gets wired. Our brain is wired through relationship. So when you did something, maybe that the adults judged as bad or wrong, Um, or undeserving was, uh, in other words, uh, 
when when you did something uh, that the the adults didn't like, was it met with judgment, punishment, um, getting sent away, or was it met with empathy and connection and healthy boundaries? So for most of us, right, it was judgment and punishment and getting sent away and being alone with our emotions. Um, We didn't have somebody there. Traditionally, most of us didn't have somebody there who was um, connecting with us and empathizing and understanding and soothing soothing us, right? Because traditionally we take children's behavior as personal, like in a personal attack on us. And so then we are defensive and we tend to react in in a defensive way. So we might send our kids away at a time when they actually need to come closer. They need connection at that time. And so this is why we have such an aversion to upset and conflict. You know, we were conditioned to see that as bad and wrong and undeserving and punishable. And so then our brain gets wired to when there's upset, our brain goes, whoa, threat. And we're thrown down into the lower centers of our brain to defend and react or to react in defense. And so we get wired for judgment and blame uh, instead of compassion and curiosity and using this behavior as information to using the behavior to be judged and punished um, and so that it will it will change. And the thing is, we now know that through research, that punishing behavior never ever heals. Punishing behavior doesn't create change in the behavior. In fact, it escalates it. But here's the tricky part. It fools us because we punish it, which sends our children into fear. And so they comply in the moment. But it also builds, builds fear, which then creates more problematic behavior. Not because they're choosing it, but because they're reacting in defense. So then both uh, adult and child are wired for judgment, blame, and defense. And this is a generational pattern that keeps getting passed on um, in in different ways. It it might look a little bit different than it did in your relationship with your parents. And sometimes we go clear to the other side, like maybe our parents were really strict. So we go clear to the other side and we're passive, which is no more helpful. Um, So this is where we are uh, shifting the paradigm uh, to controlling our children to having a relationship with our children. And so when um, siblings will also learn, rather than trying to control each other, because that's what we're teaching them, we're teaching them that one person in the relationship 
wants to have the control and the other one has to submit. And the one with the more power is the one that wins. Um, or we teach them how to be in a um, collaborative uh, relationship where um, each person has their own power and their own sense of control. And this creates security and safety because the brain needs safety. And this is physical safety and emotional safety. And I think that's the part that we get confused on. Um, They need emotional safety, knowing they're not going to be yelled at at any moment or, uh, you know, diminished in some way or threatened or or have a carrot dangling in front of them at some kind of reward if they just do be a certain way. Um, None of that feels safe. And the brain needs safety to perform optimally. So to use logic to be in the highest centers of our brain, it needs to feel safe and it needs to feel understood. Okay, so again, most generally, we have been wired, we have been conditioned to meet uh, upset or conflict with uh, judgment and blame. And so now we can understand why my mother is so judgmental or my father is so judgmental is because that is the way their brain was wired and their body was wired to um, defend themselves. To uh, That's how we were wired to deal with um, upset. So they were wired for judgment and blame. We are wired for judgment and blame. And here... We are here to break that cycle. Um, So we have to have a clear understanding, though, um, of so most of us were wired for judgment and blame because that's just our traditional culture. And if that's true for you, then that is the way you will approach your own struggles with criticism and blame. And it's the way you will approach struggles with your children and with others. So when you notice, say you're blaming yourself and you're beating yourself up about something because that's your wiring. You were wired to criticize yourself because that's the way uh, your parents are significant caregivers related to you when there was struggle. So that's the way we learn to relate to ourselves in our head. And it distracts from feeling those undesired feelings that we felt as a child when uh, the adults in our life disapproved of us. So it's easier to get angry than to feel what's underneath that anger. But the truth is at the core is goodness. You know, I think we often fear our badness. And as a child, we may, you know, 
well, we made assumptions. As a child, we, we made at times negative assumptions uh, when we experienced something about ourselves because of through how the adults in our life were relating or responding to us um, in certain situations. So these assumptions, negative assumptions about ourselves, get buried in our subconscious as beliefs. And we go about life as if these beliefs are just true and collecting evidence to prove them. So those negative beliefs about ourselves keep our blocks. They keep us stuck in uh, these patterns. And any negative belief you have about yourself, you need to question that because it's not true. Uh, We are... There are no bad parts of us. We are infinitely uh, of love and goodness. So it's not about that others need to change. It's we need to look deeper um, and gain understanding uh, and own um, when we don't understand. And then we can get curious. So this is a slow shifting, one micro shift at a time from judgment to compassion and from blame to curiosity. And how we make the shift is noticing. Noticing is reflecting and going, oh, um, I see where that shows up. Oh, I noticed how I threatened, just threatened my child here or yelled at them or whatever it was. And noticing that without judgment about it, without criticizing yourself. So have compassion with yourself telling yourself, oh, you know, it's really hard for you when this behavior shows up not to act in defense or not to react. You know, that's human. We we all, everybody experiences that. This is hard to shift and you can do it. Here's one new choice that we can try. You know, just talking to yourself like that. As you shift the way you talk to yourself in your head, you will naturally start to shift the way you respond to others in your life, including your children. And it's not an all or nothing. It is a this and. You're going to continue to do what you're wired for. You're going to notice it and you're going to start um, shifting one small tiny step at a time. So if there's one thing I have learned in these past few years, especially this past year really, is letting go of perfection. Letting go of what I think this has to look like and just navigating through the messy stuff. So moving away from the all or nothing mindset into, yep, it's this and and it can be messy and beautiful. And that's the beautiful, that's, that's where beautiful behavior um, is when we can, you know, come into acceptance and go, here's where we're at and here's where I want to go and make a roadmap towards that. That's beautiful. Okay, so helping our... Uh, siblings navigate relationships. That was number one. That was a big number one. 
um, how secure our children feel in the relationship with us, the parent. All right, number two is considering what impacts um, sibling relationships is um, their birth order. So, you know, I especially think of um, an oldest child. So the oldest child, depending on how old they were, maybe even, you know, even if they're two or three, um, they have come to... Um, uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, they are used to having you all to themselves, right? They know nothing else. They have not had any life experience with another person living in their space, right? And so um, I love this uh, analogy that uh, Dr. Becky Kennedy has in her book, Good Inside, which I highly recommend and I'll... I'll um, include that in the show notes with resources. Um, but she alludes to another book, and I can't remember who wrote it. And I think it's called um, Siblings Without Rivalry. Anyway, there was this analogy on, um, you know, a, a child suddenly getting this um, new person living with them and, you know, supposed to be so excited about it and it's such a great thing. And, um, they make this analogy of, um, it would be like, uh, say your partner came home and said, oh, there is a new, um, a, a new person and a new adult who's going to move in with us. Um, they'll be here in, you know, three to four months in the spring, you know, when blah, blah, blah. Um, and everybody's all excited about it, and you're like, what the heck? Why is this a good thing? This is going to disrupt my entire life. Are you kidding me? Somebody else is going to move in here and use all my stuff, and I mean, this is going to disrupt everything. Why is everybody excited about this? So when we can see it from that perception, we can see how dis oriented and dysregulating um, it is for a young child to adjust to such a huge um, change in their life. So when we can shift our perception and try to see things um, from another person's point of view, putting ourselves in their shoes, um, really changes the way we feel um, also and therefore changes how we respond. And maybe I'll do another episode just on perception. But um, so if we can kind of see that, you know, it might not be such a wonderful, great thing in the child's eyes. And I and that leads me to... Um, Another uh, thing that impacts uh, siblings' um, relationships is often I think we have an unrealistic um, ideals or beliefs about how siblings should be with each other. 
Um, and it might be things like, oh, they should be best friends or they should look out for each other or, or um, a belief that they should just always be nice to each other. And our should is a fantasy. I always tell people I take out should, shouldn't, and supposed to out of my vocabulary um, because really that's a fantasy. Um, our should are ideals that really don't live up to reality. So reality is our children are going to have a whole range of emotions and people have a whole range of emotions. You know, children are going to have all kinds of feelings about their siblings or situations that include their siblings. And, you know, we can help them navigate that by honoring their feelings, you know, listening to them, naming them, helping them process through them, but, but understanding them and that their feelings are real and they are capable of handling them. Because oftentimes, you know, we were told and we tell our children to basically don't have those emotions. You shouldn't have those emotions. Oh, don't feel that way about your sister or or your brother or whatever, Um, which makes them feel like, you know, they're not valued or they don't matter and they don't feel secure in themselves. So honoring how they do feel and helping them navigate that builds security in the relationship with you and feeling secure within themselves and feeling capable of being able to manage themselves, then it builds trust. It builds trust in that relationship and it builds trust in themselves. And therefore, when they can build trust in navigating situations, um, navigating their own feelings, they are better able to navigate relationships with their siblings and others um, outside of the home. So trust is a major component of healthy relationships. And here's the other deal. We can't teach our children. We cannot teach our children what we don't know. And emotional awareness is a huge part of that because again, traditionally, Uh, in our culture, we um, have not been taught emotional awareness. Uh, We have really evolved um, and we are now needing to navigate, um, learn how to navigate our own emotions so we can learn or we can teach our children and our children can learn how to navigate theirs. And so um, we can navigate through our relationships. And so lastly, I want to um, touch on uh, temperament. So temperament also impacts uh, how uh, we relate to our child and how our child will relate to others. So we have to consider uh, temperament because oftentimes, you know, we are comparing our children. And, you know, like we might say, oh, this one's so sensitive and, you know, this one is not. Or, you know, one of one is easygoing and the other, um, 
is more they need consistency and any change in the routine is super upsetting or one is super active or one just is pretty laid back, goes with the flow. So that temperament can uh, play into all of that. Um, And so comparing our children often leads to um, rivalry, right? Like in I, in a couple of episodes, I talked about how sometimes in families we'll grow up and, you know, my sister's the smart one, I'm the creative one, you know, somebody else is the athlete. And we kind of uh, get these labels where really we're, we're all of those things, Um, I, you know, we all have some type of athletic ability, right? We have physical ability. Um, It might not be something that we shine on or that is a big strength of ours, but we still have it. Um, We have the smart, we have the creative, you know, we have it all. So we, um, we don't need to compare children and also considering temperament will help us not to compare them. Um, so temperament is our hard drive, right? It is what we're born with and, um, that's, yeah, it's our blueprint, our hard drive. And there's nine different traits of temperament and I'm not going to go deep into this. If you want to learn more about temperament, you can Google temperament and you can learn all about that. Um, but we want to work with our child's temperament and not against it. So it's something to consider. You know, one child might need to be um, active a lot. And like I said, and the other might be more inactive. And so we want to um, give our children what they need, not so much, you know, what they want. And maybe I'll I'll talk about the fairness on another episode. Um, But I just kind of wanted to touch on that so that we give, you know, our child who needs to be active um, times when they can do that. And our child who is less active uh, space um, where they can, you know, do their drawing or box building or whatever it is they want to do without being disrupted by this other child who has just bigger movements naturally. Um, so, okay. So those are the things that impact, um, our relationships with our children and then therefore their relationships with each other. So just quickly, one is how secure they feel in the relationship with us. So we have to really consider and be aware of how I am relating with my child Two, birth order, just remembering what a huge shift this is um, and how for young, for children navigating their environment and all of their resources with another person is a constant challenge. Um, consider temperament and consider uh, possible unrealistic ideals um, and take out should, shouldn't, or supposed to, or your image of how it should be, and really see and allow yourself to accept where you're at. And uh, so this was a big um, 
conversation and you know how siblings get along is a huge conversation and something I am you know um, helping parents navigate all the time so um, I'm going to leave this episode as you know what impacts siblings relationships with each other and then I will make another episode on what you can do to help siblings now navigate this relationship with each other. So with parenting, there's really two parts of it, right? There's the the slow building of the relationship. And then there's the other part of it where um, is, is the strategies or the problem solving, right? Um, and so... Um, there's the slow part of building the relationship, but there's also the other part of um, being able to respond um, in the here and now. So I will do another episode on the here and now um, and what how we can help uh, our children navigate that with each other. Okay, have a great week, everybody, and we'll continue this conversation. Thank you for tuning in to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show or previous shows, I would so appreciate you subscribing and leaving a review. I am so grateful for all of you listeners who are joining me here for these conversations because I believe it's through these type of conversations that we start to shift the paradigm, creating a more loving and compassionate world. I hope you will join me here each week as we discover new ways to show up in our lives and create a bigger impact. And if you are ready to take this to the next level, head on over to my website at diannesorensen.net. Again, that's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Get on my calendar and see how you can be supported and if we're a good fit so that you can get out of survival and into thrival. Change is possible, and I've got you.